0: Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. We've got a solo cast for you today. I've been thinking a lot around how I can maximally help you understand how to get the most of your workouts. And there's a lot of things that I'm focusing on lately personally in my life. Um, Really self-mastery, getting into uh, looking at my shadows, looking at the areas of life that I have avoided uh, and really uh, improving that. I'm also looking at longevity and a lot of those podcasts will be coming at you soon. Um, I've been very blessed to work with some great coaches and uh, study a lot, and maybe I'm blessed to have a bit of an obsessive personality um, that tends to um, take things to a level that um, maybe most people could benefit from. So thanks for being here. Today's podcast is really focused around um, how I think about designing the perfect workout. And you know the perfect workout is obviously very subjective based on goals based on the person standing in front of me. Uh, based on their capabilities. Um, so really how I want you to think about uh, designing any workout is first, what are what are my current level of physical capabilities? We have to do an assessment, right? So most people are very disconnected from their body. Most people really don't even know what they're physically capable of, or they don't even know what they should be physically capable of. I don't love that word, but maybe what they want to be physically capable of. So When I say should be physically capable of, I think of what is this joint capable of doing, right? So if I walk through every joint in the body from the foot and ankle to the knee, to the hip, to the spine, to the shoulder girdle, and I say, well, relative to my 21-year-old self, what is this joint capable of doing? Or relative to my teenage self, what is this joint capable of doing? What's the full excursion of this joint? And where am I now relative to that? And is there something in the way, right? Is there an injury or some type of um, joint dysfunction that prevents me from doing it. And I think this this lens, while it doesn't sound sexy, is just so important. It's so important to understand, like what is my body actually capable of right now? And what do I want it to be capable of over time? Because if the goal is, hey man, I'm trying to build as much muscle, well then I want to have that joint capable of, of moving through the entire excursion of, of the joint's range of motion. And I think people just neglect the thought. And I think it doesn't take a huge amount of time. It probably takes five to ten minutes at the beginning of your workout to do what I call an inventory set, right? Or an inventory um assessment of uh, just like move through the bot move through every joint angle, move through every joint position that you can think of. And here's the cool thing. While this sounds insignificant, just the practice of doing this will make you so much more in tune with your body and what you actually feel rather than just mindlessly moving like so many people. And I thought this would be a useful mental framework because as I have been training in a, in a public gym, lately, it's been 10 years since I've trained frequently in a public gym, I get to watch and observe and kind of put myself in the shoes of the typical patron of a gym. And obviously there's no such thing as a typical patron, but just watching and watching and watching. And I've watched hundreds of people over the last year or, and, and more. Um, Just see what everyone really doing. And without putting anyone down, it really just seems like the mindless nature of exercise is the thing preventing people from making progress. Is the I'm just gonna go in and move stuff. And while I believe that's valuable, right? While I believe it's valuable at the lowest possible level, right? I mean, you talk about effectiveness and efficiency in your workout, well, that's the lowest level of effectiveness. Simply to go in there and do anything. And, and I and I commend those people who are going in there and doing anything because for a huge percentage of our population, there's nothing, right? So the first step, the first rung in the ladder is just go in there and do something. And if that's where you are in your journey, then that's where you are in your journey and good for you. And then the next level is, well, what am I doing and how am I doing it? I actually, so... <laughs> I see so many posts on social media that just make me laugh. These quote unquote influencers posting workouts about and I'll give you an example. Yesterday it was like, if you want to get a dick back, you gotta row, row, row. I'm like, man, I I wanna comment and be like, what the are you thinking? Like, you you're no authority on this, you have no idea what you're doing. You're the you're the blind leading the blind but I don't. Um, and I'm like, so he, well, how would I instruct someone who's just, you know, their mind says, you just got to roll more, bro. And I'm like, well, hold on. Maybe. For who? And how are you rolling? You can't just say everyone is going to benefit from one because I'll tell you what, I, for 10 years of my life, from maybe the last eight, 15 to 23, 15 to maybe 25, I just did that. I just rode. I just did the, and this is just a metaphor for anything. Right? I just went and I just worked hard. Did I build muscle? Yes. I also built a ton of injuries and a ton of imbalances. And so if your only lever is working hard, you're in big trouble. So, or quote unquote, just do the rows, bro. Cause the rows built the back. Well, they you don't, rows done well for your body structure, build your back. And so instead of just mindlessly following this, you know, these monkeys, say, you know, monkey see, monkey do, you got to think like, what is this body supposed to do? And how can I just take this joint through its full excursion and this muscle through its full excursion, which are not the same thing, and think about, well, how do I maximally make this thing do work? Because I'll tell you definitively, simply pulling a bar from the floor to my chest does not build my back. No, it does not. It may, may for a very small percentage of population. Here's where things go wrong, right? Because you watch these guys online, they have a great physique, and you go, well, he's doing it, it must work. No, he's doing it, he's not you, and it might works for him. Maybe, right? He doesn't even know what's working. That's the crazy thing. He has no idea what's working. He's just doing shit. And he's like, oh, by accident, this works. And some people def- definitely build muscle by accident, right? They have great, great genetics, they have great mechanics. Maybe they by accident found a great machine that fits their body really well, right? So here's the thing. I don't want your muscle building to be by accident. I don't want your muscle building to be on purpose. So, if I can definitively say for your body, choose this exercise, do it this way, this many times, that's an effective strategy. And people don't think like that. And I, and I encourage you to think like that. And so, there's no exercise in the world that's perfect. There's no exercise in the world that's magic. There's no exercise in the world that needs to be in anyone's program. Throw all that shit away. That's complete horseshit. So the first thing you got to do is like, well, what am I trying to do? okay, let's, let's use back since we're on the back bandwagon I'm trying to build my back. All right man, let's talk about this. Well, what does the lat actually do first? actually, maybe even before that. What is this joint actually capable of? and can I take this 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 limb through this full range without any discomfort and limitation? Because that's the first bottleneck, right? If the joint doesn't move, then you can't take the muscle through the range. Then you go, okay, well, what does this muscle do? Can I take this muscle through the range? And then I say, well, can I add resistance or tension against that range of motion? So the muscle and the movement should come first. And then we stack an exercise on top of that. So we have to look at, you know, I think you guys may have heard me say, if you listen to the podcast for any duration of time, you hear that I think of exercise as existing in two places. It exists outside the body, which which is forces being applied against the body. And it exists inside the body, which is the muscles inside the body and the way they move. And you have to make these things merge or make these things work synergistically, not antagonistically. And most people, it's more like, I'm just going to pick something up and hopefully my muscles do what they're supposed to do. Well, that doesn't work. Right. And again, as I said, if you're, if you're an average person who doesn't go to the gym, you have a hard time getting to the gym, this may not be for you. Although, if you're someone who, who values effectiveness and time, then this is absolutely for you. And, so first, I have to look at, well, what does my mechanics do? So I have a really large bone structure, like world-class, not world-class, like like extreme outsider b- bone structure. And this is as measured by Francis Holloway, uh, kin anthropometrics expert. He's been a podcast guest, listened to the podcast. It's phenomenal. Looking at the thickness and size of your bones. So my bone structure is in like the 99th percentile as far as how big it is. And most people though, I'm big bone. Well, most people think they're big bones, right? <laughs> people do. Um, and and my bone structure is very, very large. So when I when I spit into an exercise, it's gonna be very different than someone who has a smaller bone structure, or someone who has a taller, longer bone structure. And those are those are big variances as to trying to fit yourself into a specific exercise or a machine. So when you're thinking about, well, how do I make the most of this? First thing you gotta look at is become comfortable with your body, become familiar with your body. So as I say, start every workout with this concept of explore every joint and see what you, can. Can I take my ankle through its full range, which is dorsiflexion, flexion. Can I take my knee through its full range? Most people can, but not everyone can. And if you can't, then obviously move up the chain, do the hip, the spine, and the, and the shoulder, and you can even do you know the neck, the jaw. Um, and if you can't, well, then you got to find out what am I capable of doing and then pick an exercise that fits that. So that adds a whole different dimension of, of maybe quote unquote corrective exercise on top of that, but don't just mindlessly go in and do shit. And here's the thing: I get that this takes thought and time, and everyone's like, "Man, I don't have time. I just want to do. I just want to mindlessly do." And I really understand that. It's it's kind of the the challenge in life right now, isn't it? For many people, we're so busy, we're too busy to do the things we need to do to make progress, which is ironic, isn't it? Like I want to. I want. I'm I'm really busy because I'm trying to progress in something. But I'm too busy to do the things that are necessary to make progress, right? Like the meditation, like the journaling, like the like the practicing your training. If you wanted to get better at an instrument, you would very quickly practice. Otherwise, you would just very quickly fail. And yet people don't think about that in terms of their body. So when I think about designing the perfect workout for myself or for one of my many clients, first I'm saying, okay, what is this person capable of? And then I'm saying, where do they want to be? Where do they want to be or maybe in my mind where should they be right because i'm creating this the standard of excellence like where should where do i think they should be where do they think they should be and then i'm going to do everything in my power to so and i'll give you the framework of how to do this but to first select the right exercises because there's no such thing as an exercise that fits everybody or no such thing as an exercise that's great for everybody so first when it comes to programming this is just missed in in programming because I understand why, because most programming that you'll find out there doesn't come from a bodybuilding or, or muscle building perspective. It comes from a, a strength training and athletic perspective. So people like Charles Poliquin, who is just a pioneer in programming, um, Brad King, people who are really pioneers in um, in the programming space, really just work with athletes. So when they're when they're programming, they're programming progress because they assume, one, the athlete moves well, two, the athlete's trying to get strong, right? So it's like squat, deadlift, bench press. Well, programming for those things is nowhere near similar to programming to hypertrophy. And there's no one really comparing these things. There's no one really thinking about these things, you know, really since we lost the great John Meadows, right? John Meadows and I were probably the two people pushing the envelope when it comes to like thinking about hypertrophy, and how to maximize this. And maybe now Joe Bennett, hypertrophy coach, I'm sure, I don't know. I haven't talked to Joe in a while, but I'm sure he thinks about how to maximize? Actually, I'm one thousand percent sure he thinks about how to uh, select the right exercises. You know, Joe and I worked together for years. We trained together first, and we worked together at the gym. Um, and Joe's Joe's brilliant, and Joe's Joe's exceptional at understanding hypertrophy. So, coming back to what I'm talking about, first, select the right exercises. Well, how do I know, Ben, what the right exercises are to build muscle? Well, it's not easy. It's certainly not easy and maybe simple. First thing you have to understand is what does this muscle mechanically do? And here's the crazy thing: it's so much easier than you think. So much easier than you think. Every muscle has two ends. Find them and realize one end is always stationary and one end moves closer to the other end. That is all. And yet we comp- we make it really complex. I and mean, like, well, these all these exercises and I can do seven exercises for back and. The hell are you talking about? No, you don't. Not if all of them, well, the only reason you do seven exercises is because they all suck. So if you can find the mechanical path, like what this muscle is meant to mechanically do, and then figure out how I can most effectively challenge that, right? I want, I want to create as much tension in that range as I possibly can. That's it. It's not complex, and this is this is why muscle intelligence as a business succeeds is because we take something that seemingly seems so complex and people come to our camps and they're just like, holy shit, I think I've never trained in my life. or I've had trained for 20 years or however long and I had no idea what I was doing. And that's why it just makes it this eye-opening experience because it's really simple. People are like, oh, well, why didn't anybody teach me this? It makes it Nobody knows. And, and it's, you know, there's certainly people in this world who are exceptional at exercise, but they're just applying it in different contexts. There's people who are applying it to rec- corrective exercises, people who are applying it to, to athletics and, and strength, but very few who commit their life to helping people build muscle. And if they do commit their life to helping people build muscle, uh, maybe that they, they don't have um, the depth of, of experience that it requires to start looking at things through a different lens or a different filter, and just why I'm doing this podcast, because I like to share this with yourself and with coaches and all these people out there. So the thing that's missing in in programming, most people when you talk about programming, they talk about sets and reps and volume and load and, and frequency and density and all these great variables. And these are important, and I'll repeat those all in a minute, <laughs> um, but they don't think about exercise selection. And in my opinion, for most people. Probably on the order of 90 to 95% of people. The most important thing that you're not thinking about is what exercises should I be doing and why? And so, first, what does this muscle do? And most people just completely screw this up. It's really simple, but it's not common. It's really easy, but it's not common, right? So, figure that out. And I've got, um, guides, body part training guides if you go to muscleintelligence.com slash body part those are just PDFs right now but actually this week oh I should be next week I'm recording videos to to coincide with those just so you could have an insight as to like what this muscle actually does and how do I actually challenge it I just want to help I just want to help people understand exercise at a deeper level and um yeah, that it's, it's so simple right and here's here's the honest I'm not an expert at corrective exercise. I'm not an, if you have an injury in your rotator cuff, I'm not the guy. If you have an injury in your, in your, in your paraspinal muscles, I'm not the guy, right? But when your body is, um, if you look, if you're aspiring to build maximum muscle with the time you're already investing, this is where I can help you because you're probably making some really vital errors that are preventing you from making progress. If you ever said to yourself, gosh, you know, I feel like I'm not getting the uh, the return for the amount of time and effort I'm putting in, or if you've ever experienced an injury or setback while training, injuries and setbacks in life are inevitable, but shouldn't happen while training, certainly, unless you're doing something really wrong. Um. Yeah, then, then, then I can help, and that's why I'm here. So first, let's understand what these muscles do. And, and remember, go to muscleintelligence.com slash bodypart, and I can, I, you can pick up any of the guides. Those are free. If, if you want one guide, is free on me. And uh, if you want all of them, then it's a very low cost, just so we can support you on that. And once you get that in there, you'll find some really unique insights into um, ultimately how to maximize your training for that body part. And I intend to record these videos next week because those guides are probably four years old by now. And I think my ability to explain it has certainly expanded. And so I'm actually going to be doing a new edit as well really soon. So anyone who's got the guide in the past, you can get it again and it was going to get. it Now you'll get the most updated version. So the way we build it now, it's actually a dynamic document where you just log in, and uh, I can edit it, and it it stays there. So it'll be the most up to date document ongoing. So regardless of when you listen to this podcast, if it's you know what it releases or, or a year later, you'll have the most up to date version. And this is something I want to keep uh, up to date because I see the value, and I think there's literally this really small handful of people in the world who are teaching stuff effectively, and I want to I want to spread this information to the masses because. I know muscle building is is relatively a superficial endeavor. It's seemingly a superficial endeavor. And I look at myself as a professional bodybuilder and I go, wow, it was so vain, right? Standing on stage, posing your muscles. It feels like such a distant past. And at the same time, it's such a beautiful art form. And it's such a beautiful way to connect with your body. It's such a beautiful way to connect with your soul. And your character and to explore the challenges and the fear and the inadequacy and all of those character deficits that show up like, I'm not going to do this and I'm lazy or I'm going to skip out or I'm going to miss my workout or I'm going to miss my cardio. And the, the character and the person that's getting developed in the process is just such a beautiful opportunity that I think every, certainly man, woman, and child um, should be encouraged to do. I think it should be part of our school curriculum to get connected to your body. The more you connect to your body, I really believe your body is a compass. Your body is telling you what you need, what you what you want, what you shouldn't do, what you should do. And I love the idea of having my kids be really deeply connected to that, what they feel. Like what is your body telling you? Where, how do you want to move? Right? Your body will tell you. And and we should all feel free in our body. Free to do what we want when we want. We should feel free in our body. And if you don't feel free in your body, if something's limiting you, well then, your life is going to be limited, right? If I can't get up and sprint, then I'm limited, and that takes away options, right? You're like, if something other than my desire—I mean, that sounds incorrect—if if something in any way is limiting my ability to do what I want to do when I want to do it, then I want to fix it, and I want—I want my goals to be uncapped. There's no ceiling on what I can do in this world sometimes my body becomes that ceiling doesn't it and this is the framework of physical capability that i built into my my program that's launching i think this week um phase 1 right physical capability is should be the foundational pillar in everyone's life what am i physically capable of are you as physically capable at your age now as you were at 15 or 25 or even 35 for some people right and if you're not why not if it's an injury great let's get it fixed. If it's an injury that's not fixable, great. Then, then do as many things as you possibly can to maintain that physical capability. What I often talk about is the walls closing in around you, right? And it's inevitable unless, you, unless you're unless you taking diligent daily action to push it back. So what does diligent daily action mean? That's exactly what I'm telling you. First, take every joint through every range of motion. Second, learn what this muscle is supposed to do in its full, ex, full contractile range. And then third, challenge that right? Don't mindlessly do exercise. So do you see how I've just taken your attention, if you're listening carefully, I've taken your attention from things that are happening outside of the body, which is where most people focus, to things that are happening inside of the body. And so that's how we think about exercise. Exercise is in two places, forces outside the body being applied against my body. Just like gravity right now is pushing down against me, There's the exercise is just forces being applied against my body. If something applies a force horizontally into my shoulder and have to resist against it, everything on on this side of the axis, on the the side that's being pushed against, has to contract to hold me there, right? It's the idea of like resisting force. So first is resisting force, and then it's pushing back against that force to overcome that force, right? We have to overcome that inertial property of the force. And so that's it. That's all exercise is, is it's like this yielding and then this overcoming. That's it. And so if we think about that in terms of how to apply that to exercise, then how many exercises do we need per body part? The answer is, I have no idea, right? The answer is, well, what are you capable of? Can I take this muscle through its full excursion, take take this joint through its full excursion? If if so, great. Well, what exercise is going to challenge it from the lengthened position? What exercise is going to challenge it from the shortened position? What exercise is going to challenge it through the mid-range? Can I do that in one exercise or does it require two or three? And that's how I would think about this. So as an example, a bicep curl, um, you know, the bicep, a fully lengthened bicep actually is at a position of shoulder extension. So the arms kind of behind you a Fully shortened bicep is a position of shoulder flexion. So the arms kind of up by your, by your ear and I need to challenge those, right? Cause I need to challenge this muscle through its full excursion or what? Well, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so it doesn't necessarily need to happen every exercise or every workout, but it needs to happen at some point in your programming because otherwise you will get weak there. Your body says, Hey, I'm not, I don't use this thing. I never go there. Your body will literally become the shape of your exercise routine or the shape of your job, right? Most of us are, our sport is sitting. Your body will become shaped like a chair. And so, if we don't intentionally challenge the muscle to go through all these ranges, you won't, you won't have control there. Your body will tighten it up. If you lose control, you lose muscular activation and control, your body will tighten up as a protective mechanism. And we need to maintain that, right? We want to maintain, like, can my spine move really well? So here's how I think about this. One, all move, all human movement, in my opinion, starts at the spine and moves outwards. So make sure your spine moves well, because if it doesn't, you're going to hurt yourself. But either at the spine or at your shoulder and hip, right? Then I go to pelvis, hip, pelvis and hip, kind of same thing in my mind. And then shoulder girdle, and do those things move well? Can my scapula move freely along my, my rib cage, through all the ranges? And if they don't find an exercise that works well for this, fix it, right? So corrective exercise should be some relative percentage of your current exercise routine. For most people, when they started my program, correct, you know, movement quality stuff is probably 75% of the program. Out. So here's how I frame this, um, skill acquisition or, or, or output. So uh, some percentage of your exercise should be skill acquisition. Some percentage should be output. So, output means like I do this really, really well and I just work hard. Skill acquisition is I'm learning, right? I'm trying to acquire the, the physical capability in this area. And so, if you think of like dribbling a basketball, I'm really good with one hand, not so good with the other one. Well, there's the opportunity, right? Physical capability means I need to be better with both hands and then I need to be better going back and forth and between my legs. And you know, you're building these capabilities and exercise is no different. Am I really highly capable of one moving to contracting on every muscle in my body? I'm not, you're not going to build a body. Not only are you not going to build a body, because some of you guys may not want to build 100 pounds of muscle or 10 pounds of muscle or whatever, although you probably should, you're going to lose physical capability. That should be the biggest problem. Don't do that. Don't allow yourself to lose physical capability. Here's the thing. What is the minimum effective dose, right? Start there. Like Do as little as you possibly need to to maintain uh, status quo or slight progress and not allow yourself to regress. Start there. Make that your daily non-negotiable. So my program, my coaching program, we have daily non-negotiables. Here's here's your your customized um, mobility routine. Do this every day for the next 30 days. And let's assess at the end of that 30 days, has your mobility improved? If it hasn't, either we make changes or we keep going. And you need to get better, right? You need to get better. And, And here's the thing with mobility that I want everyone to realize. Mobility does not change ranges of motion, in my opinion. Mobility changes your proprioceptive sensation at the muscle. So as an example, if I have, quote unquote, tight hamstrings, stretching my hamstrings almost fails almost hundred percent of the time. It takes away that discomfort of the stretching to stretch because you become desensitized to it. But actually changing the range of motion at your hamstring is not about stretching. It's about activating, improving strength and stability. And those are different. And and so I think most people make a big mistake here. Like, oh, I've tight hamstrings for a tight back. Let me stretch it. Meh. That may alleviate temporarily the the, sen- the sensation like the burning and, and the really deep um, you know un- discomfort of, of of tight muscles, but it won't change it over time. No, in my opinion, no amount of stretching. And this is coming from the guy who you know did yoga uh, religiously for the better part of three years. Um, if I didn't train those, so if I, st- if I stretch, I improve my range a little bit temporarily. And if I didn't train that range that I've just changed, I've just improved, meaning get strong in that range, it didn't stick, it goes away. So the encouragement is training in those end ranges, training in those those positions of weakness to improve your ability to build muscle in those ranges. So we were to if we were to summarize everything I'm talking about right now and say, well, then what are the big takeaways here? Learn your body, move, right? So every single morning I do a movement practice, it, it's nothing preordained or canned or specific. I literally just feel my body. And it may be dancing. It may, be, it may be yoga. It may be uh, literally anything, right? It could be shaking, like literally shaking out the tension in the body, just trying to be be a little more fluid in my body. And I feel that when I do that, my nervous system lets go of the tension. Alert nervous system goes, okay, I'm good. And now I can go and activate and use those muscles more effectively. I've got greater blood flow. I've got greater nervous system connection. So when we think of, well, if I'm trying to get the most to... pause for a second. So if we, if we, if we de- if we determine the desired end state of a workout, we say the desired end state of a workout is to challenge this muscle as much as I possibly can, right? So I want as much tension through this single muscle or these multiple muscles as I possibly can. Well, what are the prerequisites to get there? Let's start there, right? So what are the prerequisites to get myself to the position where I can put as much tension through this muscle as possible? That doesn't necessarily mean load because tension and load necessarily are not synonymous. They're not the same thing. There's there's different factors that play into tension. And it's not just how much weight is in the bar, right? So people talk about progressive overload is king. They're correct. But what, they're, what they miss is it doesn't necessarily mean putting more weight on the bar. And I think people miss that. So well, if the desire is putting as much tension in this muscle as possible, what are, the, what are the objectives? Well, I need to make sure I can move this muscle through its full range of motion because that's important. Second, I need to make sure I can stabilize the the joint. I can make sure I stabilize, well, really everything around it to make sure that I have a stable environment from which to contract. Because if I don't have a stable environment from which to contract, I can't contract muscle. Go stand on ice and see how much muscle you can contract or what you can push. You can't. So your body down-regulates muscle contraction based on stability. If I know I need stability, then I need to, to create an internal or external stabilized environment. So that's another prerequisite. And then, okay, what creates stability? Well, well, the muscle contraction creates stability via the nervous system. And the nervous system is this orchestration between the brain and the muscles that says, hey, this thing needs to be stable. This needs to be turned on, quote-unquote, needs to be hard, right? It needs to be engaged, and it needs to stay in this position for some duration of time. And if I've only done it intermittently for for fractions of a second or really short amounts of time, it's going to fatigue really quickly. So then I need to build the ability to create stability in those muscles. So first there's an amplitude, how much stability can I create? And then there's a duration, how long can I maintain that muscle contraction just in an isometric position, right? To stabilize. And then, so let's say everything in my body is completely isometrically contracted. I'm only moving one joint, let's say the elbow joint to contract my bicep. Right, so everything is isometrically contracted in my body. That's hard. That takes a, its skill. The ability to not move is one of the most important skills in exercise. And most people don't do it. Most people when they're training are, are slinging shit or they're, they're swaying or they're using other muscles and joints to move the weight they're trying to move. So if I have 40 pounds in my hand that I'm trying to curl with this dumbbell, well, I want the bicep to do 40 pounds of work, or as close to 40 pounds of work as I can, or as much work as I possibly can. In some ways, we can actually make it more than 40 pounds by using acceleration. But in order to do that, I need to make sure all the other muscles that want to kick in are not kicking in. So hopefully this makes sense. Hopefully it's starting to kind of paint a picture for you guys. If it's not, I suggest you go back and listen to it again, because there's a lot of little tidbits of value to be pulled out of this podcast. And so Reverse engineering, I got to create as much tension as possible. That requires range of motion and stability, right? So can I create stability? Stability is, is measured through amplitude and duration. Can I get a really high amount of stability? As you can imagine, creating stability to stabilize 10 pounds is very different than 50, is very different than 100, is very different than 500. So all those levels of stability are different. It's positionally dependent. Meaning if I have my shoulder at 90 degrees of shoulder flexion versus I don't know, 10 degrees of shoulder flexion. Those are completely different positions which require different muscles and different percentages. So I got to do it in all these different positions. So my suggestion is you start with a small number of high impact exercises. Really get really good at them. Practice them a lot. Learn positional stability in every single exercise at every single inch of every single rep and learn to contract muscles in those positions. Learn to not move your body and your results will be faster. Now, here's the nuance of this. The ability to not move opens up your ability to move. And now, I don't want to get too complex in the podcast, but there's different goals in training. There's the, the desire to create rigidity. I want to create a huge... Like, if I want to squat 500 pounds, I have to be very rigid in very specific parts of my body, the entire spine, obviously the pelvis... Uh, you know, the, the quads, the hamstrings, glutes, very rigid. And if I create too much rigidity, what happens to my my fluidity of life, my ability to perform athletic endeavors, it falls away. So not only do I need to train rigidity in this positionally dependent state, I also then need to tra- train fluidity, right? I want those joints and muscles to be able to move in a fluid way, not just be hyper rigid or hypertonic. I want them to also be the, have the ability to to move well, to flow. And so both these things have to be trained into your day or into your life, not even today, day, but in your life. And so my encouragement to you is when you're designing your ideal program, start paying attention, start thinking, spend 10 minutes at the beginning of your workout just exploring and then go do your mindless shit. That's fine. But spend 10 minutes exploring, what is my body capable? What is every joint capable of doing? What, what feels tight? What feels strong, what feels stable, what, feel, what doesn't feel stable. And and the lack of stability will, will manifest as uh shakiness. It'll manifest as speed. Your body wants to move through something quickly. If it's very insta- unstable somewhere, it does. Your body goes, ah, I don't want to be here. You're going to go faster through those ranges. So for those coaches listening to this podcast, watch your clients. Where are they, where are they cheating? Cheating is I'm just moving fast through this thing. If I, if I, if I can't stabilize in a position, the body goes, I want to get the hell out of here. So it moves fast. And so that's how you you identify cheating. You know, like, go, oh, well, that's not what that's supposed to do. Stop. And and so the cue that I use with my clients is stop, stop, stop. Right. And that doesn't mean like stop doing what you do. It means like stop in that position. Stay there. Can you stabilize with the right muscles in that position? Are you taking it with your taking the load that you're trying to resist with your muscle, or is that muscle completely flaccid and you're taking it on your joint, which is a huge problem in itself? So, hopefully. I've given you some insights and hopefully I haven't confused the heck out of it. And what I encourage you to do is start by creating an internal awareness, right? What is my body feeling like right now? And great is the greatest way to create an internal awareness, which everyone who just came to camp last weekend knows, is close your eyes. Don't do this on hard exercises like squats and deadlifts, but just maybe you're, you're sitting and in, in breathing, or maybe you're doing a leg curl or bicep curl in a machine. And you know, like I can close my eyes here and I can just feel. I create an internal awareness. As soon as I close my eyes, my external awareness falls away. Obviously I can still hear and I can still, you know, experience the external world, but I want to create an internal world, right? I want to, I want to have a I want to create a map of my internal reality. And that means like, well, what is my diaphragm doing right now? What is my spine doing right now? Where's the tension in my face? Where's the tension in my shoulders? And you know, how can I make sure that it's, it's one, uh, Distributed relatively evenly, so I don't have places that are hypertonic and places that are hypotonic. Hyper amounts of tone and hypo amounts of tone. Too much tone, not enough tone. And can I create this this dynamic body that both can create uniform rigidity and fluidity? Right. Uniform rigidity means well, if I'm squatting, I don't just want to have all the load, all the rigidity through my my lumbar spine, or I don't just just want to have it through my thoracic spine. I kind of want all those things to have a good amount of rigidity or almost an equal, it's not equal, but a relative equal amount of rigidity rigidity, um, so that I can do this thing effectively. Now, I'll be honest, this is a long road. And I know if you're here, if you're listening to me of all people, you realize that exercise is not a destination. It's a journey and you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. If you're part of the Muscle Intelligence community, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. You're not here for a quick fix. So Yes, we could build muscle faster than everybody else as soon as you check some basic foundational boxes, right? If you can't check the, I I I still have clients that I'm working on this with. I'm like, if you can't do this, you can't build muscle maximally, fact, right? And could you build muscle? Yeah, but you're not building muscle maximally. You're ineffective, you're inefficient, you're probably going to hurt yourself. And so the foundation of it all, right? The foundation is physical capability. And I define physical capability as, well, the ability to create rigidity, the ability to create fluidity, and the ability to access all of the joints and all of the ranges of my joints and muscles uh, with control. And if I can do that now and only now, can I start effectively programming sets and reps and volume and load and density and frequency and all these different variables that are so important. But first, you got to do the foundational stuff. Right. And so I wouldn't learn to play Mozart and Beethoven until I first learned how to use the keys of the keyboard. And this is what people are missing. So I hope you take this to heart and you see some value in this and you take your ass to the gym and not only just like mindlessly go in the gym. And listen, I get it. I do it sometimes too. I'm like, I'm crunched for time. I just want to have a good workout. I want it because I know the workout's going to make me feel better. And I just want to get it done and so sometimes i just go in and i just mindlessly do shit too not not <laughs> probably not as bad as most people but there's absolutely has to be time intentionally carved into your routine to do things on purpose do things intentionally to create this internal awareness do all these things i'm talking about today so my my suggestion to you build it in on tuesday thursday and saturday or the first 15 to 20 minutes start o'clock start a timer first 20 minutes of your workout was just like just physical exploration i literally do workouts or just physical exploration no real intent of creating massive amounts of damage or stress or, or whatever of tension just like i just need to explore my body and and not regress and certainly progress but first don't regress um so hopefully it's helpful uh if you did find this valuable share this with at least one person you know and love who would appreciate being part of the muscle intelligence community this group of individuals committed to not the destination but instead the journey realizing we're going to be doing this for the rest of our lives you're going to be doing this until you're 90. And if you don't lay a foundation now, it's going to be a lot harder as you get older. If you don't learn an internal awareness now, if you don't learn how to contract, if you don't learn how to move your body through space, both with rigidity and fluidity, you're going to suffer. Start today. Build a daily practice. Make it non-negotiable. Do this with your kids if you have it with your, if you have children. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be stressful. In fact, it should be play you know, some people laugh at me when I say, like, I put the same song on most mornings and I dance. It's not dancing like I'm at a nightclub. It's like, it's a, it's this like physical, uh, movement flowy type thing where I'm just like, I just want to feel what my body feels like. And I'm taking inventory of like, what's tight and what's not. It's, it, you know, it looks like, I don't know, somewhere between, um, you know, ecstatic dance and Stevie Wonder grooving to his tunes, right? It's, it's just, uh, creating this deep level of internal awareness. So, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, share this person with, share this with one person you know and love. Now I have something I want to share with you guys, actually. So you guys know Muscle Intelligence is constantly growing. We're building our team internally, which is phenomenal. We are amazing, amazing people. I love people who are committed to their craft, who move fast, who love to, love to, uh, accomplish goals. It's just been an incredible journey with the team internally. We're doing something really cool. Right now, we're launching a program called Phase One, which is really the stuff I'm teaching about right now, how to do it more effectively, how to connect with your body, how to understand all the body parts, um, building that out. Personally, all the content is myself and my coaches, um, but loving it, absolutely loving it. Um, We're also building our community, the Facebook community, um, Muscle Intelligence is growing. Um, but it's all like-minded people. It's all great people with this great intention of ultimately living their greatest life and a body they love, not just today, but for the next 50 years and beyond, if you're not already part of the Muscle intelligence community on Facebook, go ahead and join that now. Um, no cost, just free to enter, at least for now. We are, we are also launching a men over 40 community. Um, cause guys over 40 have a unique subset of challenges and ladies, I don't want to exclude you. Uh, I don't mean to exclude you, um, but I'm not an expert in female hormones I'm not an expert in female physiology certainly not I' an expert in male physiology um but it's something that I'm uniquely capable of of contributing to for males um you'll find you know that I've got some very unique insights when it comes to how men over 40 can optimize our hormones optimize our energy optimize our muscle optimize our body composition and uh, we do it better than everybody else I'm, I'm supremely confident in that my my myself and my team are uh, world class right and my team is I'm so blessed to have a team of exceptional coaches um, who I hope to continue to give a platform to and I hope to continue to give support to and grow. And our team is constantly growing. So jo- gents, if you are listening to this podcast or if you're not listening to this podcast, obviously you are, uh, if you're interested in joining a community of men over 40, then keep your ear out uh, in the next podcast. I'm going to be launching this small community, uh, you know, intimate community that I'm going to work directly with you to help you with all of your challenges over 40. Now, it's there's going to be a small commitment. It's not, it's not coaching. It's just a community of men supporting each other on things that men care about. Longevity, muscle building, fat loss, testosterone optimization, energy, and uh, mobility, and feeling great. And ultimately, as you know, uh, being a dad, being a great dad, being a great man, being a great uh, partner, being a great entrepreneur, being a great leader, all those are things that matter to me. And I hope to bring those to our community and cause that's really where I feel my value lies outside of exercise. I think exercise for me is my foot in the door. I think my, my value lies in connecting with people and uh, supporting you to be your greatest self. So guys, thanks for being here. Um, hopefully you enjoy the podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors for today's podcast. Our friends over at again, have uh, continued to support our podcast, you're obviously supporting them. So thank you. And, um, you know, I really care about what goes into my body. I've become more and more um, aware as I age or I'm more aware of the value and more more aware of the necessity of not only putting in high quality organic ingredients, only putting in a diverse array of high quality organic ingredients because there's more to food than just protein, fats and carbs. There's uh, micronutrients, vit- m- vitamins and minerals also phytonutrients that we need in uh, to optimize our human system. And if you're listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about this stuff before, but the quality of your food matters. And I care about what goes into my body and so should you. And Organifi does an incredible job of curating the highest quality organic ingredients, organic superfoods to ultimately help us thrive. And it's not easy to always eat all the vegetables and eat all the fresh vegetables and you know, uh, making sure I'm getting it multiple times a day with multiple serving. It's very challenging. So I like to mix in Organifi greens. Uh, I do it every day. I mix in my Organifi reds. Uh, Usually in the morning, well, I'll start my morning is with one scoop of greens and one scoop of reds. I'll add some glutamine in there for my gut. I'll add a bunch of other vitamins and stuff as well, um, just to make sure my body is ready to tackle the day. Uh, Make sure my body is receiving the nutrients it needs, my microbiome is receiving the the nutrients it needs so I can thrive. So ladies and gents, if you're not already supporting our friends over at Organifi, they have an incredible array of products to support you and living your greatest life. Start by grabbing the greens and reds. If you're interested in, if you're someone who likes to snack at night, like I do, I'm a big fan of their Organifi Gold, which is this delicious, I've got different flavors now, but the one that I like is just the original uh, where it's this delicious, uh, spicy, not, it's not hot, spicy, but like, um, you know, spicy mushroom marshmallow deliciousness. It's just awesome. And I feel great after it helps my sleep and improves my deep sleep. And I just feel like it calms me down in this incredibly busy and hectic world. You can hand over to Organified.com and use the code muscle to get hooked up with 20% off. Uh, thank you so much to our Again of Five for always continuing to support the podcast. Thank you for being a listener to the podcast. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to our podcast, if you haven't already left a review, head over to Spotify. Spotify is where I personally listen to podcasts. And you can not only subscribe there, but you can also leave us up to a five star review. If you find this podcast as something that's beneficial for you and you think someone else may enjoy it, I would massively appreciate it. And it motivates me to continue to do what I do and continue to bring value back to you and uh, it, it's not always easy to make time to record new podcasts where I have to plan and I have to do research. And, uh, you know, as I'm continuing to, doing all the other things in my life, and just hearing a little bit of feedback from you is always uh, appreciated and love to spread the word of intelligent muscle building around the world. Ladies and gents, thanks for being here. Be back out.